you don't need another report. Bleed ain't green till I D.I.E. Hold it down for the best team. We in first place, we the Celtics. Try to shoot it, we ain't let ya. Finna go and win a ring. Giving fades like I'm Kyrie. You the opposition, can't score yet. Homie, you ain't even on the floor yet. Big buckets and big shots. Better check the time on the shot clock. Got my shooters on me, they wet you up. It's a 30-footer, I ain't letting up. Scary Terry with a dancing bear. Gonna light it up like it ain't fair. Dunk it on you like Rozier. Fourth quarter, we in fifth gear. I got Tatum, I got Brown. I got Marcus locking you down. Grab a broom, it's a sweet. Score 100 on our feet. Celtics post, we the team. And we don't accept defeat, yeah. Hello, welcome to the Celtics Pulse Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. And my name's Brendan. I'm going to be your host today. Adam could not make it. I'm sure you'll hear from him next week. You can find me on Twitter at NBA underscore distributor. And I'm Cody. Find me on Twitter at the underscore cover underscore three. Yeah, and just hopping right into it here. The first game was pretty nice. Uh, we were just talking about it. It felt not even as close as the score was, even though it was a 15-plus point game. Uh, there were a lot of sloppy turnovers from Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid had a lot of what looked like misunderstandings, throwing it in places where People weren't even headed, but he thought they were going to be going that direction. So they looked like they had more to figure out than we did. And we really were missing a lot of shots, too. Kyrie couldn't hit anything. Uh, Jason carried a lot of the load in the first half. It it, it was, yeah, I I, I don't know. Simmons went crazy. No, Simmons went pretty good. And like you said, it was just a sloppy game all around. Um I didn't see the whole game because, like I was saying before, the Red Sox run and they're in the playoffs. So I watched the second half mostly. Watched a little bit of the first half while I was on. But a very sloppy, I think it was the consensus. I believe it was around a five-point game, six-point game going into halftime in the Celtics' favor. And, I mean, like you said, like the shot selection – or not even the selection, just the shots couldn't go in. Kyrie finished with seven points. Al only had nine points. Um, Gordon only had 10, but that's more expected. The one thing I do want to point out is there have been, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players to get 20 minutes or more. Yeah. Which and is that's crazy. Gonna a, yeah. It's going to do a lot for our schedule too. I know we have a three day break and then we get Toronto and we have three, uh, three games in four days. And by the end of that, we're going to have some well-rested guys where if we're playing teams that they're on back-to-backs, that they're going to be a lot more tired, especially their main guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, we're not going to expect Kyrie to have seven points every game. Kyrie's, it was just opening day, we'll give it to him. I mean, that's fine. We still can't with a 15-point win, so I guess our 20-point win doesn't really matter what he did. Um and like you said, Jason Tatum really came out and cemented himself like, hey, I'm a quality, great NBA player. Like, he, like I remember uh, all this offseason, people were saying that Jason Tatum was overrated. Jason Tatum wasn't even that good, blah, 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 over Twitter. And I was like, you guys did see him in the playoffs, right? And he came out and was playoff Jason Tatum. Yeah, all the hype over the offseason kind of scared me. Uh, He was getting it over anyone else on our team. Even, you know, Kyrie Irving hit one of the biggest shots in the finals ever. Uh, And like you said, he shut everybody up. He lived up to the hype. Uh, He 
carried most of our scoring in the first quarter when no one else was hitting anything. And then he was our first sub out, and uh, Brad was running him with the second unit when we really needed some offense. Yeah, I was listening to, um, I want to say it was Undisputed before the game yesterday, and they were talking about how Jason was going to carry the offensive load of this team, and that was crazy to me with all the weapons we have, but that's really what it felt like yesterday. And that's the thing, because if you have a player like Kyrie Irving who's a top 10 player in the league and he's struggling and Gordon Hayward for, I was going to say for at least two weeks is going to have these type of games with the 10 points, the five rebounds. He did have two good mid range jumpers. I like the one where he was taking a, his own rebound and took the fadeaway jumper. That was nice, but he's going to, he's going to try to, he's going to ease himself back in. He's not going to go too strenuous. He had 25 points, which was easily the uh, least amount of all the starters. Um, Terry Roger even played more minutes than him with 27 so Gordon's going to take a minute to get back into Gordon's shape. So having – if you have that from Gordon and then you have a Kyrie Irving game that he had last night, it's so good to have that Jason Tatum. Like, all right, we're not on right now. Just have the ball and just go. Get us something. Yeah, and it was crazy. I mean, he executed it every time. There were a couple times he practically crossed over Joel Embiid. He had that ridiculous bank. Uh, which seemed like such a bullshit shot, to be honest. Oh, yeah. He gave him the link after. <laughs> yeah, it was oh. hilarious. There was a couple was things that if I was a Philly fan, I'd be pretty upset. Like the Jalen quote-unquote poster, I guess. Hey, did it go in? It, it did. It's two points. It's a poster. It's, two points. <laughs> it's, it's true. Poster. It's true. <laughs> uh, it, it, was, was- uh, it almost seemed like Joel and B should have got the points for that. It was kind of BS. He did block it. Did like hit off. It ricocheted off his hand. It went in. Yeah. Um, well, uh, one of the announcers said, "If you go up strong, then you have a chance of it going in." You know. Yep. Uh, you continue your point. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on Hayward real quick. He did have four steals. I think most of those were in the first half, so you might have missed that a bit. But he yep. was so active on defense. Um, it was, I believe they had him guarding Simmons. So he was really backing off of him. And whenever he tried to feed it into the post, Hayward just really disruptive. And he was in the right spot to... Uh, contest for a lot of rebounds or a lot of times where he was the one there um, going at it with say Joel Embiid or someone like Simmons and caused them to tip it out giving us an extra possession he definitely showed that he's a really smart basketball player and like Brad said that there was a lot of progress between uh, preseason and now I felt like you could see that he was really slow in preseason but now you saw him uh hitting pump fakes and his first step was a lot quicker he was driving to the lane a lot more he looked more confident oh i did see a couple of those steals um especially one where they threw it tried to get into the paint and gordon was just standing right there um also if you're looking defensively al horford is so good at defending joel Embiid, and yeah Embiid had 23 points but Al Horford had five blocks. Yeah, and Joel Embiid had twenty three points in thirty six minutes. Only shot forty two percent from the field and twenty five percent from three. So 
just the way Al Horford and how valuable Al Horford is. And if you look at his stats, he had nine points, four rebounds, two assists. And you're like, wow, we give that guy th- – like, people who don't watch the games only look at the box score. It's like, wow, we give that guy $30 million a year. But the five blocks and just how much he means to that offense. I, I tell people all the time, Kyrie Irving is the best player on the team, but Al Horford's the more – the most important player on this team, most valuable player on this team. Yeah, and what he does in all facets of the game is just too insane, insane. Yeah, that's like your basketball IQ test for me. I ask you if you think Al Horford's a good player. That's what, if you're just reading the stats, like you said, it's not going to happen. But there were so many times yesterday where I was like, wow, Al is the best player on the floor right now. It blows my mind that Joel Embiid still had 23 points. He looked like he played terribly. He was really mm-hmm. emotional out there. Um yeah, Al shut him down for a little while there. Uh, starting the second half, we had Bain starting, and I heard yeah, the I announcer that. saying that for the first two to three weeks, that's what, what was going to happen in the place of Hayward. That way Hayward could be still closing the game because he's out on 25 minutes restriction. Yeah, no, I was. Um, I think I was talking to Wayne, who's a member of the Celtics Pulse community, and um he said, does Hayward start? And I said, yeah, I think Hayward will start, but he'll get limited minutes. And there you go. I guess you proved my point there. Um, like I said, it's going to take a little bit. It won't take like three months for Gordon to get back into shape, but expect to take like a month. The first month of the season, they're going to ease him back in. The second month, they're going to give him around 30 minutes a game, I would assume, um, or the three weeks or around. So he's, they're going to ease him back in. Like, yes, Gordon Hayward is a when healthy and takeaway last year, he's a top 25 player, top 20 player potentially in the NBA. Just how good he is. But that ankle injury, you can't tell me that that's not devastating, no matter how healthy he says he is. That's still something that you have to get over as a player, um, having an injury like that. So we're, he'll be fine. I won't, I'm not saying his career's done, but he's going to take us a minute to get ready, you know? Yeah, Paul George had a similar injury, and you really didn't see right. the same explosiveness until after an entire year of NBA games. Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, well, I'm going to give him the slack like I think everyone should. Um, but let's talk more about Philadelphia and what we saw there. Um, like you said, Joel Embiid did play sloppy. He still had 23 points, still had 10 rebounds, still had two blocks. I mean, I've been saying it. I think Joel Embiid, if he plays well – he could definitely be in the front running for MVP this year. He's actually my second in MVP voting. I think Giannis is going to get it this year. But I have Joel Embiid right there, in the number two uh, in MVP voting. I really do. I think he's that talented. Um, defensively, he's insane, too. Like I said, I wasn't really watching the game that closely, so I wasn't really seeing, like, switches and all this other stuff. I do know he was go- he, they would switch a lot, and he would be forced on Tatum or Hayward a lot and obviously Tatum had his way with him that one play at least and Jalen Brown made him look like a fool so I can't really say he did great defensively um but Ben Simmons like you mentioned went off 19 points 15 rebounds eight assists he played 42 minutes though it's a lot of minutes for Ben Simmons he can do it because he's only 20 something but that's a lot of minutes only three turnovers too, which I think is very effective um if you can if you're a starting guard and you get your turnovers from three or under I think you're good, especially if he give you a, a steal or two, and he gave you four steals. Yeah, which is like nice. You said, in 42 one, minutes. Yeah, and the one thing I am surprised at is that Markel Fultz is starting over JJ Redick. 
And not because I don't think Markel Fultz is a good player, because I love Markel Fultz. Obviously, people are giving him a bunch of crap from last year, and I still think he's going to be probably the second-best player out of this draft class. I'm enamored with Markel Fultz and what he could be as a player. Maybe right now, is he ready? I don't think so. But J.J. Redick on that starting line and the starting unit, just giving a little bit more shooting. Because if you think about it, if you put J.J. Redick in that starting lineup, you're surrounding Ben Simmons with four quality three-point shooters. And you can put Joel Embiid in the post. You can put him outside. He can shoot the three ball. He only shot 25% last night, but he can shoot the three. J.J. Redick obviously is known for his shooting. Robert Covington's the basically the premier 3-and-D guy in the league. And Dario Sarge is a good three-point shooter as well. So, yeah, Markel Fultz can shoot, but not right now. Like He's not as obviously not as good as J.J. Redick. So it kind of I don't, bewilders me that they're putting Markel Fultz over J.J. Yeah, I heard something interesting yesterday because they didn't start uh, Markel in the second half, and they were vocal about that before the game, too, which was interesting. Uh, and one of the announcers pointed out that it seemed like maybe Brett Brown was kind of forced. Uh, ownership came to him and was like, hey, Markel has to start. Uh, it, so it was interesting. And yeah, he didn't attempt a single three. Uh, there were a couple yeah. times he looks like he wasn't moving with purpose. Uh, he was kind right. of dribbling to an area just because he saw an opening, but then didn't have a plan after that. And then ended up wasting 10 seconds off the shot clock doing nothing. Uh, he had a couple nice pull-ups, at least, using his length. He's a big guy. Um, oh, yeah, he's great body control and everything. Yeah, and he moves slow and methodical. He definitely pulls those James Harden comparisons. Uh, not on the same level, of course. Uh, and to be honest, I don't know if I want him to get there, even though I love Markel Fultz. Uh the league is definitely pushing this rivalry down our throats, and it is working. Yeah, well, Joel Embiid said it last night. It's not a rivalry because they kick our ass every time. So, yeah, it's that true. was a fun quote. Uh, yeah, especially as a Celtics fan, that was an amazing quote. Uh, but I mean, we're still going to see him a couple more times this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if we yeah. see him in the playoffs. Um, a lot of people were saying that they still have these guys as the favorites behind us in the East. Uh, we'll be interested to see how Toronto is in our next game. Um, but yeah, like you said, there was kind of a lack of three point shooting when Simmons came out, there was a point, uh, I want to say it was the beginning of the fourth where Simmons and Embiid were both out of the game and there was, there was nothing from Philadelphia, uh, and Simmons also really struggles in the half court offense because he doesn't have that jumper. Uh, in, right. in the second quarter, at one point they had eight turnovers. We had one and we were doing pretty well, but we were missing a lot of our shots. So we still let him run in transition. But then after that, the Celtics still ended it up with, uh, where am I here? 14 turnovers after that good start. So it got a little sloppy and that's where Simmons is really going to hurt you. Cause he's running in transition. He's making these crazy magic esque drop off passes, Euro steps and nice finishes. So I, I think one of the keys to Philadelphia is kind of really slowing it down and limiting those turnovers. Cause that's where Simmons thrives and everything runs through Simmons for that team. But I, I really disrespected him after that last playoff series that we had against him. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of right. my slap in the face. Yeah, this guy deserves all the hype he's getting. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been, I was one of the few people who were still on the, hey, Simmons, the rookie of the year um, last year. I was like, dude, put up 16, 8 and 8. <laughs> like, what more do you want from the guy? Yeah, he scored one point in a playoff game. All right, we all have our moments. I, I have less points in a playoff game than he does, so what does that say? <laughs> um, but anyway, like, it just, and the thing about that is how, like you just said, how Simmons struggles in the half court because of this lack of a jump shot. And like you said, Hayward was just sat, like literally sitting in the paint like, hey, pass it, weirdo. And it's it's kind of crazy because like I was sitting there and he was t- taking like jump shots. And I'm no great basketball player. But I'm like, I make those shots. Like I can make that shot. Yeah. Like I'm convinced I have a better mid-range jumper than a professional basketball player just because of how watching Ben Simmons. But He's a phenomenal talent. You don't get 19, 15, and 8 and be considered bad. I mean, that's, he could potentially average that every night, which is actually kind of scary. Um, and that's why I was confused why they started Fultz. And I feel like if I'm even if I'm upper management, it is better to have Fultz off the bench because Fultz is a lot better on ball than he is off ball. Um, Simmons can't play off ball at all, so Simmons has to have the ball. It's kind of like the Dennis Schroeder – Russell Westbrook situation, which I talk about all the time, which is like, yeah, Schroeder's a nice player, but he's very ball dominant. He's a ball, he's a point guard. And if you're playing Russell or Penn Simmons 42 minutes a game, how much of Markel Fultz can you actually get? If you look at, if say, if the minutes that they play tonight is the minutes that they're going to play all year, and I don't know how many of these minutes they play together, but if you play Markel Fultz 24 minutes, you play Ben Simmons 42 minutes in an entire game, you can basically squeeze out Markel Fultz's potential in like eight minutes. Yeah. In only eight minutes. Yeah. Whereas you put him on the second unit, uh, if you put him on the second unit and run him with TJ McConnell, and they can basically switch off being on and off ball, you can A, give Simmons a little more rest so he's healthy, he's more prepared for the fourth quarter or wherever you want to use him. And it gives him basically the ball to run wherever he wants, and he can be the quote-unquote star of the second unit. Yeah, exactly. He did look nice uh, cutting to the rim a couple times yesterday, and it's mainly because Simmons hits those crazy passes, so it's not like you need to have these crazy cuts. Uh, And he is a smart basketball player. But yeah, like you're saying, he definitely needs to be leading that second unit. Um, and I think the starting was maybe to give him some confidence, but Barkley made a good point at halftime. If, if coaches in starting me in the second half, maybe I'm not closing games. Like how much, uh, confidence does it really give you just to see your name in the starting lineup? Yeah. I mean, anyway, either way, like you're in the starting lineup, it's like word. All right. Let's do this. Um, I guess I don't know Markel on a personal level. I would love to know Markel. So Markel Fultz, if you're uh, listening <laughs> yeah, to this, you hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to chat. You're yeah, one of my favorites. But anyway, um, like I remember when I was playing in quick story in sixth grade basketball I was on the JV team, and every time the varsity coach would stay and coach the JV team, and I knew him personally because he was my football coach, he would always bench me. I was like, what the hell? When the assistant coach stayed and my the head coach left and just didn't do the JV game, I would always start. I was always confused, like, am I a starter or am I not? Because when one coach was coaching, I was on the bench. And when one coach was coaching, I was in the starting lineup, I never got taken out. So I was so confused. But those games where I did start, I played a lot better because I'm like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know my role. This is what's happening. So there is a little bit of that confidence boost and like that all right, it's my turn. I have to put up or shut up, you know? 
And I really want when I was in those games, I really wanted to do really well. So the other coach would tell my head coach, like, hey, this kid's good, start him. Um that coming in the second half, if Markel knew that, hey, I'm only starting because management wants me to start, I can see why he would be lethargic on the court. Like, well, I'm only here because I didn't earn it. I'm only here because they told me I'm here. I'm not saying it's an excuse to be that way, but I can see why. Yeah, that was a good point. He definitely needs to know what his role is to himself. Uh, that needs to be communicated to him. I mean, I can't talk on if it has or hasn't already. Um, but I, I don't know where he fits in that starting lineup. Like you said, JJ is definitely just a better fit there. Um, and he could run that bench, and I would really like to see that. Um, but yeah, Philly's going to get their stuff figured out. They're going to be one of those top teams. Uh, I, I think it's... It are the top three teams in our division are going to be the top of the East. Uh, we're going to see a lot of good games against this team this year. I agree. Yeah. And uh, one point I kind of want to touch on here and get your opinion on Terry went off. And of course he's going to do this all year. He didn't number wise. He didn't do all too crazy. Did you see the block that he had on Joel Embiid? The I did see the, I did see the. I did see the block, yeah. Oh, that, that one felt great. <laughs> Definitely got me out of my chair. Makes me flex a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was nice. But he's definitely gone after this year. That guy's a starting point guard, no doubt. I do not think that there's any reason to trade him. We keep him, and he is going to be a huge piece at what is a legitimate championship run this season. Uh, I, I don't think anything yeah. that we're going to get back is going to be able to contribute now or in the future enough to make up what for he's going to bring this year. Oh, I agree. I remember, I forgot who I was, I think I was like on Twitter again. Uh, I forgot who said it, but it's like, you know, Terry's year's good as gone. We should get, you know, trade him forever. And if you look at Terry's year, yeah, he's a great player, but what are you really going to get? Maybe a protected first round pick and that'll be like wicked bad protected and you know the one team that been that's been circled on is phoenix they desperately need a point guard so we're not really going to get their first round pick because they're going to be a top a bottom three four five team in the league and i don't think i love terry but i don't think he's worth a top five pick yeah so my guess is like either a team like a miami we get like the 20th pick or something like that like that's like in my head or we'll get two seconds and maybe some cash or a younger player or something like that. And I was I was adamant that the value of Terry Rogier in June, in May, in April off the bench is way more valuable than two second round picks or a fir- or a late first round pick. And I was actually talking to my friend last night, and I was like, "Well, whoever when Terry leaves, whoever when we if we have the, if we do get the second pick or the third pick from the Kings this year, which a lot of people are saying we will." Um, which hopefully we do, and they don't get the first pick and be assholes like that. <laughs> if whoever or Terry leaves, whoever we draft is going to replace Terry, basically. Um, or depending on what we do, because if you really think about it, Terry Rogier is going to be gone. Um, Al Horford's contract's up after this year, so that does three up, free up thirty million dollars. But that thirty million dollars can be put right back into uh, Kyrie. And then you have to pay Jalen the next year, and then Tatum the year after that. So how do we handle Al's contract? Do we how do we pay him? We do have his bird rights. Um, so there's a lot of things to do, but definitely Terry is gone. But I don't want to trade him for nothing. Keep him on the roster. Understand he's going to go, 
That's what players uh, like the MLB trade deadline. You get a player on a one-year contract that can help you now, and then when free agency comes, you let them off in the winter. You say thank you for your time. You go get your bag. Thanks for this ring. That's how it works. Yeah, and I think the only reason that you'd want to get those draft picks back is if you're using that for a bigger package, say for a trade like AD, which I don't think is going to happen, and there's no reason, even if he did become available, which apparently he's not even available, even if they were trading for Beyonce, is uh, what Alvin Gentry said yesterday. Um there's no reason to change up this team. Like, I'm happy with what we have. We have, like I said, a legitimate ch- shot at a championship this year. So there's no reason to change anything. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I agreed. I mean, yeah, like you said. And we already own every draft pick from the year, like, 2025 on. So, I mean, this is how many more draft picks we actually get. Yeah, exactly. I think we have four first round or potentially four first rounders next year, including our own. Yeah, it's... In Danny, we trust. There are six people in the world you trust, and Danny Ainge is one of them. Yeah, definitely put him in there. Um, one guy I wanted to touch on a little bit was Jalen. There was a lot of talk that uh, the two main things that I heard that he really improved, and he definitely had needed to, was his handle and his free throw. Uh, he went one of two from the line. The first one did look a little shaky. It looked like the old Jalen free throw. Obviously not enough of a sample size to really say anything. But there were a couple times he was really out of control on his handle still. Uh, it looked like it could have been nerves. Obviously, he was still really nice on defense. He had two forced turnovers at the very, very beginning of the game, uh, which, to be fair, there were so many turnovers in the first four minutes. It was the most sloppy basketball I'd ever seen. Uh, but, yeah, Jalen looked almost a little emotional out there. Uh, so we'll see how he keeps going. He definitely is like our fire in the first quarter. He plays most of the first quarter until probably about two minutes left. Um, but yeah, you know, everyone's expecting him to take a really big jump because that's what he did from rookie to sophomore year. So I'm definitely going to be keeping a close eye on him and hopefully Tatum getting all the spotlight doesn't really affect him. I'm sure that Everyone part of the organization in the locker room has a really high appreciation for Jalen. Danny and Brad definitely vocalize that, and so does Jason, Kyrie, and all the other guys. Uh, So hopefully all the spotlight going to Jason doesn't mess with him because I could see Kyrie and Jason both making the All-Star game this year and, you know, Jalen being left out, even though I would, you know, it's hard because I do like to say that Last year, Jalen was possibly better than Tatum, uh, but I think Tatum's going to make that That's hard not that to say. I mean, I feel like I feel like Jalen won't make that jump where like he'll go from a fourteen to a seventeen point per game score. He has the ability to. I just don't think the shots are going to be there. Um, actually, looking right now, he took thirteen shots in the game, which are going to go down as the season progresses because Al only took seven, Kyrie took fourteen. And Gordon took 12. Actually, if you look at the shot chart, they actually it was very well distributed. But there are going to be in times where Kyrie's going to take his 20 shots, 25 shots, and be like, all right, here's 75. He'll be like, thanks, Kyrie. And then once Gordon comes back, he's going to get more shots. And so I feel like Jalen is going to, he's still going to be the same player he was last year, which is a very, very good player. Uh, maybe he can improve on his three, his three point shooting. Is it awful? But it could be better. Uh, especially spot up shooting, and he's going to have more wide open opportunities this year. His defense is obviously there. 
Um, but like you said, I like I said, I only watched the second half, and even then, I didn't really watch that closely because I was still riding the high of the Jackie Bradley Jr. home run. <laughs> um, but really, if you think about it, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Jalen Brown are very similar players in which their offense. When Jalen's offense is a lot better than Jackie's offense, if you're just looking pure number standpoint, trying to relate them from baseball to basketball, but they play phenomenal defense and their impact is a lot more on the game than numbers show. Um, in that regard, Jackie Riley Jr. covers every inch of the center field in Fenway Park. He's made phenomenal catch, a phenomenal catch, a phenomenal catch. He's a good base dealer. He does the little things. That's what Jalen does. Jalen does the little things. Um, he Guards this best player on the opposing team every time down the court. Him and Marcus might get the one and two, depending on who's in and who wants to. Um, he makes those hustle plays. He has those energy dunks. He does those that stuff that you can't necessarily can't teach, but not everyone has, you know? Not everyone has that it factor, for, especially for Boston sports. You have to have that it, that it, that Marcus Smart has, that Terry has that Jalen has. So I feel like Jalen will improve. Just he has to improve on the nitpicky things. I feel like already he's a, a great player. Um, so just if he improves on those little things, like set the handling. Um, and uh, what did you say? The free throw, sh- free throw shooting. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. And that's mainly because he's such a threat driving to the rim. There was a fast break where him and Kyrie, are the only ones going and Kyrie runs to the corner and, I just want Jalen, like, don't give that up, dude. You're the fastest guy out there. You need to be sprinting down the floor, and I want you to try to yam it on someone. Uh, But you have to have that tight handle, and most of the time you're going to get fouled. So those two are really how he takes the game to the next level. Uh, Because I I think he's probably all going to make an all-defensive team this year, uh, especially with all the spotlight the Celtics are getting. So he's definitely going to be fine in that regard. Uh yeah, like you said, one of our best defensive players. And, of course, everything is a really small sample size here. Marcus Smart's three looked really good yesterday. I know you went 204. The two he missed were practically halfway down. Uh, yeah, Marcus, it, <laughs> we say this every year. If Marcus has a shot, then that's a really different player. Yeah. Um, there. There was a joke between me and my friends the last three years where they should have a clause in Marcus's contract that for every open three he passes up, he'll get $500. <laughs> and there was another thing where if Marcus if Marcus Smart shoots and make his first three, is that a very good thing or a very bad thing? Because I love Marcus Smart. He's my favorite player. He's my favorite, he's my favorite player in the NBA. He's my favorite player when he was in college and when he got drafted to the Celtics. It was only natural that I uh, – Carry on my appreciation for a one Marcus Smart. Um, no, he's not a three-point shooter. No, I don't want him taking – if he takes four threes a game, sure. I, I'd like around two or three more. But if he's out here taking seven shots, three, I don't care if he makes five of seven, don't shoot seven every night. I'll just piss me off, get my cholesterol up and make me want to do bad things. And you don't want that. Especially during baseball season, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I can't handle that. So it's a very he, stressful time. If he's shooting 40%, though, you're still not like, hey, Marcus, keep it a two or three? Keep it a two or three. Keep <laughs> it a two or three. Until, okay. If you get a whole season of, four, of 
shooting 40. And then you personally come to me as like, hey, bitch, what are you saying? Like, all right, fine. You can shoot five. <laughs> but two or three, keep it there. Play your good defense. His offense, his he's a people say he's a bad offensive player, but he's not a bad offensive player, he's just a bad shooter, a bad scorer. Like he's very good offensively, creating for others. He's a playmaker on the second unit. And you know, now with Terry and Kyrie, he's sort of been demoted that or not demoted, but pushed over that shooting guard off ball. But when he has the ball, he is a very good playmaker. And he has he averaged like what five, four and a half, five assists every year since he's been here. So he's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that a, that's the big difference offensively between him and Terry. Uh, Terry's a shot creator, and he can pull up off the dribble, which you, I mean, you do see Marcus do, but he obviously doesn't do the same level as Terry. But Terry Rozier cannot hit those pocket passes. He can't throw lobs. Uh, and every game you will see uh, a pick and roll between Marcus and Al Horford, and they'll connect on a lob. Or a little pocket pass, it'll get Al an easy layup. Uh, Marcus is amazing at those passes and he, like you said, there's a lot more to offense than just your shooting and Marcus does all the little stuff like you were talking about earlier extremely well. Uh, yeah, but I think that covers most from yesterday unless you had anything else you wanted to touch on. No, that was basically it. Um, just one little thing I'd like to say, just use Dario Saric more. Other than that, I think we covered everything in its mom. <laughs> yeah so we could preview what we got next going on i think we got a three-day break here and then we're in toronto yeah in toronto that's gonna be a good matchup um two of the, the two deepest benches in the nba uh let's see how Kawhi leonard plays this is potentially for the division for the number one seed so this will be a very good espn matchup we got going on on friday yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, the Toronto bench on Twitter is getting a lot of hate right now. Everyone's saying, or their young core, sorry, that, you know, they're all role players, which is extremely fair, but that's why they swapped out Kamar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. When you have that star player and um, Kyle Lowry, excuse me, is kind of your secondary playing second fiddle, um, that really, if you have a team of eight, to 10 which is a lot probably eight uh more really quality role players then you're gonna be solid like they were last year they're gonna have the same thing as us their guys are gonna be really well rested uh i i think that when their bench comes in they kind of struggle offensively though most of their guys are really defensive they're gonna have one of the best defensive teams in the league but offensively it's gonna be a little bit of a question mark where that's gonna gonna come from yeah, I mean, defensively, like you said, defensively, they're going to be a, probably a, the top, at least a top three team in the league defensively uh, with the Celtics and probably another team that's just in my mind um, as well. But the one thing people forget, what is what, what is basically the most relevant plan of success in the NBA? A star, two star players, two or three star players with a bunch of role players. Look at Houston. We have James Harden, Chris Paul. And a bunch of role players, even Golden State, Curry, Durant, and you can make the argument that Clay and Draymond are just role players. They're the be- the two best role players <laughs> in the NBA, granted, and they're a star in their own right. And they're both, all four of them are top twenty players in the NBA. But Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are just extreme examples of role players. Um, even the Celtics, you have Kyrie Irving, 
And other than that, everyone and probably Gordon's not really a role player because he's more of a. But Kyrie Irving and Gordon, and maybe Jason, everyone else is really a role player. Like every player has a role, so technically everyone's a role player. But like that's the sort of the scheme that you want: one or two or three stars. Uh, mostly three, but even one of those three stars can be a role player, and that's what they have. They have Kawhi Leonard, uh, they have Kyle Lowry, which is a eh, borderline role player, and then everyone else is a role player. Like, that's what they're going to do, and that works. So when people say they're just wrong, they don't see the trend in the NBA. Yeah, there's really nothing bad with being a role player. Like, I, I think, like you said, it was a perfect example with the Golden State. You're either... It's really you're a star and you can kind of do whatever you want out there because you're trusted like that. Or this is what you do. This is this is your game. You're a three and D guy like Clay is to that extreme. Or Draymond, hey, you're kind of setting up for everybody else and you're still a beast on the defense. You bring the intensity. You know what your role is compared to doing everything out there. So it, it's definitely not a bad thing. Um but yeah, I think where the advantage is going to be for us is going to be in the coaching. Uh, Nick Nurse is a new coach. Of course, he was there, uh, but this is his first time being a head coach. Brad Stevens is definitely being respected as possibly the best coach in the league right now. And that's where it's going to get interesting. I think Toronto's probably going to have a little bit of meshing together they needed to do. Um, but I'll be interested to see how that goes. Valanchunas usually kills us on the boards, so we'll be interested. I, I would think that Baines is going to be matching up with him a lot. Um, but it's going to be an intense game. If you had, who, who's the big difference maker for the Celtics in this game? That game, probably Kyrie, because you saw like last year when they, we lost Toronto a lot of times because Kyrie struggled a little bit. And so if Kyrie can get back on his game, I think that's going to be good. And I really want to say, like, you know, it's kind of weird how your your best player is your key to the game. It seems kind of like known or, or at least expected. But Kyrie Irving playing well in Toronto is something that I want to see. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is a big game to put out these guys early. There's going to be so many storylines and overreactions after these first two games. If Boston comes out and, uh, I mean, we pretty much, I feel like it's safe to say, destroyed Philadelphia yesterday, uh, in a way at least. It was it was a comfortable yeah, win. Basically. And then if we can do the same sort of thing against Toronto, oh, the media is going to get even more crazy than it already is. And oh, Celtics free ride to the finals and all this. Uh, I, I think the guy that's going to make a big difference, though, is going to be Al Horford, like I was saying, with Valanchunas. Um, I think that Valanchunas is still in their starting lineup, unless they went smaller, but I don't think that they, they did. Uh, he's going to no, be... I would assume that they're going to go with him in yeah. starting, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to be big for Al. He struggles against those bigger kind of guys and gives up a lot of offensive rebounds. So I think if... If he can stop that and, and still be protecting the paint at the same time, a lot of the reason he's giving up these rebounds is because he's such a good help defender that once he helps over and contests the shot, nobody's there to help get the rebound, which is why Baines was big. Uh, so I, I think we're going to need to see Horford do a lot of boxing out, and that's going to mean that we need better one-on-one -on -one defense so there's less help that's needed from Horford and some of these other guys down low that grab those rebounds. Right, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Al, if Al plays well, that's a recipe for success. 
Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, which to be fair, Al plays great every game, it seems like. Mr. Consistent and, like you said, doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but that's my guy. There's a reason Al Horford was the first jersey I got out of this team. Um, yeah, he's a good one. He's super underrated. We don't want soft Al. If we get soft Al, then that's when we lose. But if we get good Al, then we'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. He already pulled out the uh, the flinching at the free throws yesterday. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, getting in people's heads a little bit. If it even does, it mainly just goes on Twitter and people call him soft. But you know, I think he does it for fun. Like I, I, I did, like when he's playing, he doesn't do that. But like during the free throw, that's where he does that, which is just for fun. People say he doesn't get rebounds, so that's like his sort of like rebuttal. Like, yeah, I'm allergic to him. But yeah, pretty much scared of the basketball after it touches the rim. So, if you're putting a prediction on this game, who's taking it? I have the Celtics taking it. I mean, it's going to be very hard pressure when you not to take the Celtics in every game. Uh, <laughs> like, you don't bet against the Warriors every game. It's true. You don't bet against – like, they'll lose, but that, that day when they lose, they're like, all right, well, I just can't wrong. But you're going to be – I can definitely see this team winning 70-plus games. Like, that's not even just me being, like, a Celtics fan. That's just me being – they have an insane team. Like they have very little to no weaknesses. They could potentially win seventy games. So, I I think they're gonna win. I think it's gonna be close. Um, like I said, this team is basically uh, this Raptors team. These Sixers teams are basically the two top competitions uh, for with, for the Celtics. So we'll. I want to win, but it's gonna be a close one, and definitely we're gonna have to have um, some heroics from somebody. Yeah, and I think the Celtics know, uh, especially with all the hype around them, the media's got the spotlight on them, which is almost a little different. Uh, We had that at the beginning of last year, but then with the injuries, it definitely faded, and we still had that underdog feel, which we've had for a good couple years now with the Isaiah Thomas and all of that. Um, But I think that we know we are the top dogs. Everyone's going to be looking to knock us off that pedestal. So with these first two games, getting the top competition, we're going to come out strong. We did yesterday and shots weren't even falling. Uh, We got a lot of good shots. Uh, Like you said, Kyrie missed so many shots and they were wide open threes. Uh, those are going to fall eventually. Even yesterday, he's missing them. I'm still good with if, if Kyrie's wide open, and I don't care if he's O of A from three, if Kyrie's wide open in the corner, I want him to take that shot. Um, they're going to go in eventually. He's one of the best scorers in the league. Um, so yeah, I, I think Boston comes out strong and is really looking to prove a point. I don't think Toronto goes down easy. It's going to be a low-scoring game. But... I think Boston comes out of this one, but I, I think at some point in this month, you're going to probably drop a game against maybe one of these lesser teams. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, there'll definitely be a game where maybe this doesn't try as hard because uh, we're playing, you know, this. Like, we lost the Bulls twice last year. Um, so, I mean, like, like I said, like, you don't bet against them because they're the better team, but I'm not saying that they ne- will never lose. Like they're going to lose games. I just think they're going to win more than they Nah, 82 and 0. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, I want to <laughs> Yeah, definitely not complaining. All right, well, I think that does it for us, unless you got anything else. That would be all for me. All right, well, go Celtics. We got a couple days in between a game here. Uh, thank you for listening to the Celtics Pulse Podcast, guys. We're part of the Pulse Podcast Network now. You can check us out 
on the PulsePodcastNetwork.com. Pulse we got a couple other podcasts in there now. Uh, there's the Donut Bag, which just recently added. There's the Boston Pulse and a couple other podcasts in there as well. So be sure to check that out. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, and read some of the articles on CelticsPulse.com. But we will, you'll hear from us next week, and have a good one, guys.